Welcome to SADCAST, episode 34. I'm your host, Pamela Runis, designer and co-publisher of the physical magazine, SADMAG. Our latest issue, Secrets, is out now. We just had our launch party last week, and it was amazing. Thank you to everyone who came out. It really means a lot. I have one other piece of SADMAG news to relay before we get started here. Uh, I started a little merch shop for us. Uh, for all the teas and totes and those sweet, sad-to-the-bone pins. And uh, though there's only one pin left, so get it while it's hot. Uh, not sure if we're going to order more, so get on it. The shop is at sadmag.ca slash merch. And we also started sadmag.ca slash art, where we're going to have art from different artists. Currently, it houses uh, a poster of the makeout map that me and Katie Stewart made for the Secrets issue, but there'll be more to come, so keep a lookout for that. Now I want to talk a little bit about diversity, diversity in creative fields specifically. So as you know, SADMAG prides itself on being inclusive of many different views and voices, but not all creative workplaces are like that, unfortunately, especially advertising and design. Um, we had a great little presentation today at my work from a creative team out of our Toronto office, shout out Krista and Leah, about the 3% conference. Uh, the 3% conference was started by a woman named Kat Gordon, who worked for 20 years as a copywriter and creative director. And she saw firsthand how women were often left out of pitches and important meetings, and she describes the ultimate emperor's new clothes moment of her life as the day her agency pitched the Saab car account with 16 men and one woman and then was mystified why they didn't get the business. So she realized at that time, only 3% of creative directors um, were women. So she started the 3% Conference, which teaches men and women in agencies and on the client side how to address these issues in new ways and offer something that's been sorely lacking for female creatives, a sense of community. So now I'm going to take you through some of the interesting tidbits tidbits of the talk we had today and you know maybe I'm preaching to the choir here but it's empowering to hear nonetheless like I found it really interesting um all right so what is a three percent conference as I just said it's a conference that exposes gender inequalities in advertising and suggests ways to fix them and the conference exists because today 11 percent of creative directors are female and you know full disclosure at rethink we have zero female creative directors at the moment, which I find a bit disheartening. But anyway, 88% of young female creatives say they lack role models. 70% of young female creatives say they have never worked with a female creative director or executive crea creative director. And, you know, this is disheartening. Uh, how diversity impacts creativity from the Scientific American, they say decades of research by organizational scientists, psychologists, sociologists, economists, and demographers, is that how you said, uh, show that socially diverse groups, that is, those with a diversity of race, ethnicity, gender, and sexual orientation, are more innovative than homogenous groups. So there's one reason to have diversity in your creative team. Also, the Harvard Business Review says, diversity is the crucial element for group creativity. Innovation teams tasked with creating new products or technologies or iterating existing ones need tension to produce breakthroughs. And tension comes from diverse points of view. This is the opposite of groupthink. 
the creativity killing phenomenon of too much agreement and too similar perspectives that often paralyzes otherwise great teams. And lots of companies are noting this. General Mills, uh, CMO Ann Simmons, told AdAge that the food giant will only accept pitches from agencies with at least 50% women and 20% people of color within their creative departments. And days later, Hewlett-Packard followed suit with Chief Marketing Officer Antonio Lucio penning a letter stating similar expectations. In it, he wrote, we are more likely to create solutions that amaze our customers if our workforce represents the communities we serve. So why are they demanding these? Because 91% of female consumers feel advertisers don't understand them, and women are the most powerful consumers on the planet, making 85% of all purchasing decisions. So also, it's 2016, and let's get our shit together here. So what 3% Conference has done, they made like a list of 100 things you can do right now to help drive the uh, 3% number upward, or 11% as it were. And I will post a link to that so you can all read it in its entirety. I mean, a lot of it is going to be stuff that maybe your boss would need to implement and everyone needs to read. But share it around because I think it's important. Obviously, diversity affects the bottom line. Um, You're going to have more creative work, therefore more clients, more success. So that is that. Um, Yeah. Now on to a little more chiller stuff. Um, we're going to talk with Meredith Cole. Meredith is a writer, and she has two pieces in this latest sad mag, and she's well-versed in all matter of secrets and conspiracies. So let's have a listen now to my talk with her. Do you want to pretend to call me again like it's the first time? No. (laughs) I don't think I need, like, the ringing. Like, is that really necessary? I don't think so. No one cares to hear the ringing on a podcast, do they? Have you ever listened to a song that has, like, some part of it that sounds a bit like the Skype ring? And it gets really, like, stressful because you think someone's calling you on Skype, but it's just the background of the song. I get that with, like, the text message noise. Mm, Like, a a couple times. Actually, I was listening to a song recently, and I swear they put the exact one in. Because I'm like, what? That wasn't my phone, and I know that was in the song. It's very anxiety producing so let's leave out the ring (laughs) are you an anxious person normally no no but I am about specific things such as missing a call that's stressful Mm -hmm. do you answer even if you don't know who it is yeah because it could be like my big break you know oh yeah and they'll never call back And they won't leave a message. No, no. You get one shot. Everyone knows that. Yeah. Only only one shot. Anyway, so Meredith, you've uh, written so many pieces for us. So many. I think it's only three. No, well, for sadmag.ca. Oh, yeah. Also. So many. Yeah. If you count the, uh, the web articles, you've definitely written lots for us. So you must like us. And more to come. I do like you. Yeah. Mostly because you appear to like me. It's true. That's just how it goes in a relationship, huh? It is, yeah. It's all flattery gets you anywhere. Yeah, it's true. Um, Yeah, I really liked uh, your pieces for this recent issue, the secrets issue. Um, Especially the one about the book, The Secret, which (laughs) is hilarious. My mom had that book growing up. 
Have you read it? No, I've never read it. I th- I remember like leafing through it as a teen and just, you know, eye roll and then throw it away, basically. I think it's meant to be leafed through. I really, I don't think it could sustain an actual cover to cover read. Did you um like read any of it or did you just watch the movie? I leafed through it like you and then I watched the movie. Yeah. Which is funny because that's like kind of a metaphor for the whole secret philosophy, like the path of least resistance. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, totally. Just think about it and it will happen. Do you feel like you've ever uh, manifested something? Um, Yeah, I do. I do, but my manifestation powers are kind of like um, strange because it'll always be like three years too late. So like if I really ardently wished for something when I was like 12, when I was 15, I would get it. And of course, the things you wanted when you were 12, mm. you just totally don't want when you're 15. What kind of things? Do you remember? Well, I'll be like, you know, think a kind of job was like really glamorous when I was young. Like, oh, I really want to work at an ice cream parlor. Mm-hmm. And then <laughs> when you're like a preteen and you actually get that exact job, it's like hell <laughs> yeah because you're working in an ice cream parlor yeah actually not so fun oh man yeah so there's like a big time delay on mine or like if you have a big crush on someone and then like three years later they like confess they had a crush on you and it's like ooh. oh it's too late you're too late oh. it's a bit late <laughs> oh, shit i definitely feel like i have done that like manifested st- i know it sounds like goofy I don't know. Yeah, it does. <laughs> it really does sound goofy. Or is it just like life, you know, like you want something, so you're obviously going to try to get it. <laughs> I don't I don't know. I don't know. The secret's very ambiguous. Like w- they just say basically think about it, like meditate on the thing or like are there any actions they tell you to do? Well, they have like a kind of interesting um loophole I guess Mm -hmm. because it's like you don't just have to wish for it you have to like feel the feelings you would feel if you had it wow so then if it doesn't work out like of course you're doing it wrong because it's easy to really just like think about something you want but it's harder to feel it oh my gosh so (laughs) you just have to be completely delusional is yeah that's really tough to do it is but I, I don't know. I love, I love the movie because it's so bad. It's like fascinating. Was there like a person that was like the voice of the secret? Like I don't remember there being like a celebrity, relate or like someone that was like the face of the secret. Was there someone? Well, there's the the woman who wrote it. She's an Australian mm-hmm. woman. I think her name's Rhonda. Mm-hmm. Perfect. <laughs> she's like an ex-TV producer. Um, she narrates the film and like it's ho- her whole empire. But she didn't like go on to like do other books like The Secret 2. Oh, or... yeah. <laughs> she did? Yeah. There's The Secret, which is like the first one. Uh-huh. There's The Power. Oh, my God. Which is the follow-up. What's the difference? I think the power is about the power of love. Like it's specifically 
oh. focused on romantic oh. manifestation. I see. I think. Oh, and I, then we should look her up. I wonder if she's divorced. <laughs> <laughs> well, she's like being, yeah, there's been a lot of lawsuits and stuff. Really? Yeah. But there's like three more books and there's like the secret for kids, the secret for teens. For kids. Yeah. Wow. There's like a children's book, like an illustrated version. Oh, wow. Oh my God. <laughs> to get them young. What were the lawsuits? Were people um, trying to say like, no, I told people to have positive thoughts first or like, um, I think it was like business partners that didn't feel like they got a fair share. Or like it didn't work. Like I wished really hard that I whatever would get this promotion and I never did. I wonder if there is a disclaimer in the secret. Like, please don't be upset if it doesn't work. Oh. It's your not ours. It's your fault. Yeah, you you must be doing it wrong. Totally. Um, there's something uh, you wrote in it that I thought was really interesting in the article. Um, you're saying if we can draw the eye to someone else's silliness, we can carry on unnoticed and we create the illusion of superiority, which I thought was uh, so like millennial. Yeah. I mean, if you think of like fuck Jerry and Brown Cardigan and just any meme, basically, where you're just making fun of whoever to feel superior. It's just it's, it's very funny. Like the secret would not play today. You don't think so? No. Well, for our generation, I don't think. Do you? Um, well, we're lazy, so there's that. I think it would need to be packaged slightly differently. Yeah. Like, I think the reason it looks dated and silly now is just the the packaging, like the design of it. Yeah. Like, if you watch the movie, it literally looks like a PowerPoint presentation. So you think if they, like, jazzed it up... With some yeah. uh, cool graphics. <laughs> totally. <laughs> I swear. Because, um, I mean, that's still quite a, you know, part of our zeitgeist right now is, like, making a vision board. Maybe not for our group of friends, but, like. Yeah, people do do that. That is Still true. do that. That's true. Oh, yeah. have, you, have you ever made a vision board? I'm not prepared to say. <laughs> No comment. No comment means yes. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. In my defense, I think I was like fresh out of high school. Where did you grow up? I'm in Vancouver Island. Oh, you did grow up there. So you're you're back there. You are in Victoria. Just FYI for people listening. We're not in the same room. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. So you grew up on the island, but then you went to university in Edinburgh. I have to say it like that. Yeah. job <laughs> how did you end up there um I manifested it oh of course yeah <laughs> <laughs> no, I always wanted to go there um because it was like really um attractive looking mm -hmm. and there was a castle and um it's yeah good reasons <laughs> <laughs> it was a really it was a an aesthetic choice nice um and I studied art history, so it had a good program for that. And what were you um, hoping to do? Like, like work in a gallery, or <laughs> I really wanted to be like the person that um, works at like an auction house, 
Okay, like Sotheby's or something? Like Sotheby's, yeah. And I wanted to, like, you know, like, go into the basement and, like, archive stuff. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And then what happened? (laughs) (laughs) You could have done it. (laughs) I just was like, oh, that's, like, a huge fantasy, another aesthetic choice. Yeah. Um, I don't think that really actually happens to more than, like, seven or eight people. Oh, Yeah. (laughs) And also, I just was, like, really over university, so I actually dropped out of Edinburgh, and I never got my degree. And then when I started up again, I just started um, pursuing English Lit on its own. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, So I creeped on your uh, LinkedIn, and it says that, yeah, this is how I do my research, (laughs) the internet. It says you speak Italian. Why? How? It says I speak conversational Italian. Okay. Asterix Italian. (laughs) um I lived there for 10 months or so when I was um 17 why like an exchange I went to boarding school you are so fancy (laughs) you are I love it I I love it It, Italy so whereabouts were you I was in like a really small town in um the province of Abruzzo which is kind of like mid to southern Italy on the Adriatic coast. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, it was like a really small town. And it basically had a bunch of churches, mm-hmm. a cafe, mm-hmm. a pizzeria, mm-hmm. and my school. Oh, wow. And they had um, a Eucharistic miracle. What, what happened? <laughs> well, While you bunch- were there? <laughs> no. And <laughs> like... Ages and ages okay. ago. Yeah. But there was one church that if you went in there, there was a big reliquary thing and like a hunk of human flesh. Amazing. In it. <laughs> wow. And that's what everyone would do on Friday. They'd go and look at the human flesh chunk. <laughs> <laughs> Not us. We'd like, us students had a different agenda on Fridays. The pizzeria? Where else are you going? <laughs> Well, there was a bar, actually. There okay. were a lot of, like, old man bars. Okay. And then there was, like, a shack in a um, in a field nearby where we would, like, drink beer and smoke cigarettes and stuff. Yeah, teenagers <laughs> will really find any place to drink. Yeah. 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 It was called the Beer Pong Shack. Nice. Beer yeah. Pong. They have Beer Pong back then? Do you still think I'm fancy? <laughs> yeah. Because it's in Italy, so kind of whatever you do could be anything but you're over there that's pretty fun do you miss it like would you have lived there or like were you happy mm. to leave I would have lived in like a big city yeah definitely I loved Florence yeah um but I wouldn't I mean small town Italy just like got small a town. little stifling yeah kind of small town is the same anywhere it just gets boring yeah. fair enough um I really liked your other piece in this uh, month's issue, the one on three vets and the carvings in the back. So there's like a secret, not so secret room in the back of three vets that has um, a bunch of uh, art and carvings. And then you were trying to find the man who collected it all. And did you ever find him? It was unclear. Did you ever talk no, to him? No, I never did. I like, um, I think I heard him. <laughs> Yeah, and you were like, oh, no, I'm walking into someone's private area and then, like, yeah. turned away. Because <laughs> I think I got a little too bold, like, with 
going back there because there's the back room and then yeah. there's hallways off of it. And I think I, I took it a little too far exploring those hallways. Yeah. Yeah. It's like I'm already in this behind the scenes area. Yeah. You don't want to walk in on anything. Private. And it sounded like he was watching a hockey game. So, okay. so that's my secret intel. <laughs> Read that. Wolfman likes hockey. <laughs> oh, that feels so weird. I know. Yeah, it's so like, no, I've never met the man. He has it, no idea who I am. Is it pronounced Wolfman or Wolfman? <laughs> and, you know, I thought when I read that, I thought that was some kind of like um, like alias oh, for his yeah. art dealing. But I think, I think that's his real name. It's a pretty sweet name. I'm, yeah. je- I'm jealous for sure. <laughs> oh, man. That's awesome. No, but Three Bats was, was really cool because when I first came to Vancouver... I remember like hearing something about there being a secret room there that was filled with like native artifacts and First Nations carvings and stuff. And I imagined it as this really like Indiana Jones kind of place. Yeah. And then it was just kind of like a junk room except with (laughs) art. (laughs) Well, I wouldn't call it a junk room, but it was like linoleum floor and like, you know, it looked like the store closet at like a community center or something and it was just like chocobog filled with with carvings that were all like um put into sully's bagel bags yeah so funny protected from now were they for sale or is it just they are for sale oh they're all for sale i was like is this just his Mm -hmm. place where he keeps them and then you can go and look at them but they're for sale no he's like a pretty prolific seeming like collector you can go and buy pretty pretty great stuff there you know if you happen to find him which i didn't wow so do you know about the um cult in the naimo called um the aquarian foundation oh yes i have heard of this um but please tell everyone everything you know about it well i don't know a whole lot but apparently it was like run by this um sailor Mm -hmm. so this is probably like a hundred ish years ago Mm -hmm. um he was from britain and he like um got all these people converted to his way of thinking and then they eventually bought a gulf island to corsi island Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and they would just like live there and and um accept donations from people and i think he went a bit crazy oh wow that's just what I've heard. I and don't know the whole story. I know. I feel like I know someone that's like family is a part of that. But I don't it's know. It's like defunct now, like this Yeah, no, I remember someone telling me about like their grandparents or something be I don't know. I vaguely I have vague memories of of this weird cult thing. I, I mean I don't understand um joining a cult at all. I mean I guess if you're I don't know. You don't have a family or anywhere else to go, I suppose. But I just because I think it's like all about flattery again. Like I'm really susceptible to flattery. So if I was kind of like lost in my life and someone was like, you know, you're a chosen one, (laughs) I would really have a hard time resisting that, I think. Oh, I now know how to entrap you. So, yes. Perfect. But like I understand, you know, like if Yeah. I if guess. you feel really special, like you you're in on some some arcane knowledge, like that's a pretty heady experience probably. 
Is that how Scientology works? How does that work? I never saw Going Clear. Did you see that? No, I didn't. Did you? No. There, I don't understand because you have to pay. I mean, how do they get people, like, for one, to join and then for two, to give them money? It's insane. Okay, well, what I think about that is, have you ever, like, had your nails done and they look really bad, but you're, like, you spend, like, 45 minutes getting your nails done and you spend, like, 50 or so dollars on it and you don't want to, like, admit that they look bad? Uh-huh. So I think if you pay to, like, be a part of Scientology and you, like, have invested however much money in it, it gets to a certain point where admitting that... So it's built Pretty upon fun. embarrassment their entire Yeah, I think <laughs> their entire I don't, I don't know. Oh, it's that's an interesting theory. I've I don't know. I mean, how do they get so many celebrities? Well, I guess actually you're right. If it's flattery, celebrities love nothing more than to be flattered. So it's flattery and then, you know, the embarrassment would be even more if you had to come out and like everyone knows who you are and if you had to come out and say this was a waste of time and money and I got duped yeah it would be super embarrassing that one woman did get out though and then wrote that book um the woman from that tv show god what was her name like the king of queens lady she was a Scientologist and then like wrote this big expose about how it's such a sham have you read it no see it's like half information here it's like I maybe heard You're doing of a great job. Yeah. I should have probably done more research on that. Oh, I found an article. I manifested it probably because I was thinking about Perfect. conspiracies. That was about like people that believe the earth is flat. Mm-hmm. But apparently that community has taken like, you know, like a pretty big leap and they now believe that forests are not in fact forests but they're like um bushes and what? what we think of as mountains are actually like giant tree stumps what <laughs> no where are you reading this <laughs> in the atlantic and there's like an hour and a half long video on youtube of this man like explaining his theory that like mountains are tree stumps of giant trees that no longer exist they're not made of the same thing it doesn't make i know i know and he neglects to like address that (laughs) no that's gotta be a joke you think i know there is like some some speculation that it's just like he's trolling everyone yeah i thought it was very very sweet and earnest that's really that's really sad (laughs) I know. <laughs> oh my god. But I love the flat earth conspiracy theory because like I think it's really bold and beautiful to just kind of like refute something so obviously not true. <laughs> or obviously true if they're refuting it. Yeah. So obviously true and then it also like it makes me think like well can I really explain satisfactorily why the earth is round? No, like I just What do you accept- mean no? <laughs> Well, like, I'm not, I'm not adept at science enough to, like, understand. Oh, but we as, like, a human race can definitely explain. Yeah, but, like, personally, like, I don't understand how this Skype call is working, for instance. Oh, that is true. Fiber optics? What is, I don't know what that means. I know. So I really, I admire people that can kind of, like, accept their limitations like that. Like, 
<laughs> I because so I don't understand it. Sad, but I think it's kind of beautiful to just kind of, you know. Imagine if you only believe the things you fully like understood. <laughs> <laughs> I would believe in granola bars. Really? Do you fully know how each one of those ingredients gets from like growing in the earth to in your hand in bar form? You know, Pam, I don't think I actually do. (laughs) You would starve. (laughs) So you'd probably starve. No, you could eat. Especially because I eat the disgusting like yogurt dipped granola bars. That's like actually white chocolate. Which is like masquerading yogurt that isn't not yogurt that's like some chemical and we all know none of us know how to make that shit (laughs) okay i'm sorry i took us off on a tangent that's fine i recorded it so maybe leave this out no it's funny (laughs) because it now appears that i think the earth is flat (laughs) no it doesn't i'll i will uh yeah you'll you'll be fine don't worry. I won't make you you seem you seem foolish. I seem foolish cuz I'm not fully fucking awake yet. <laughs> you seem very awake. Okay. All right. I'm woke as the kids say. <laughs> Have you ever heard of that? <laughs> okay, do you feel comfortable using like internet terminology like that cuz like I've been thinking of deleting my Twitter cuz like I don't feel like I can like you say things like you don't have to say things like that i mean i would only say things like as a joke right like how could how could someone use that word in earnest (laughs) but they do and i feel like so much like if you're gonna be a professional writer and write for like you know buzzfeed or whatever you oh i love that that's the bar (laughs) (laughs) professional writer work for buzzfeed you have to say woke with like the utmost seriousness. No, you don't. I don't believe it. I don't set your sights a little higher than BuzzFeed and they they don't want woke in there. Okay. BuzzFeed wouldn't have me. Like I hate to say it, but That's a lie. That's a total lie. Well, and if they wouldn't, it's only because you're too smart for BuzzFeed. It's true. No, my my um my sights are higher than BuzzFeed, don't worry. That's a good good call. <laughs> Like, you know, when I first um, spoke to Sarah, mm-hmm. like for the f- first time I met her, mm-hmm. it was in 49th Parallel on Main. Mm-hmm. Um, she, she was expecting like what would become the high school issue to be the secrets issue. Oh, okay. So talking about stuff and I was like, let me write about the secret menu at Starbucks. Oh, you should have. Was like my big plan. <laughs> And she kiboshed it? <laughs> no, she was very sweet. She didn't kibosh it. But, like, I'm wondering now how I could have sustained that. Oh, you should still do that. We could put it on the web. <laughs> I'm into it. I want to know. Just, I'm really curious about the people that, like, aren't ashamed to do that. <sighs> what is on the secret menu? Well, like, you have to go into the website, I guess, and it'll be, like, Harry Potter-themed, like, butter beer frappuccino what but you have to go and say like you have to have the you have to say expelliarmus or whatever and then (laughs) no you have to know like what what flavors are in it so you have to order something and then order all the pumps of flavor in it too 
Like you can't just say you want a butter beer or whatever. See, I'm so fascinated by this. I did not really know about this. And uh, I think you got to write about it. <laughs> okay. Have well, you done it? Have you ever ordered anything off there? No, because like I even find it embarrassing to like order like a mocha. I find that like childish <laughs> and kind of embarrassing. <laughs> so to ask for like two pumps of caramel, like whatever in my frappuccino like one sugar-free whatever I would be I would be really humiliated (laughs) (laughs) it doesn't take much to embarrass you eh? (laughs) it really doesn't (laughs) and I've just alienated all the mocha drinkers that listen so my apologies oh they don't give a fuck your choices they don't give a fuck they clearly don't because they're drinking mochas see there you go I love a mocha do you like to be uh honest i had a welfare mocha what i call welfare mocha today where you put um hot chocolate powder into a coffee coffee yeah because i ran out of sugar and uh i've done that yeah we've all done that yeah so you do drink mochas i do i do i like them i just i just don't like ordering them (laughs) fair enough Fair enough. Um, Thanks so much for talking with me. (laughs) You're welcome. Bye. Bye. My musical choice today is someone who always seems to pop up on my radar. He's quite prolific, putting out an album every year, it seems. Sean Nicholas Savage. He's from Montreal. He calls himself a balladeer, which I think is pretty funny. It's almost like a band name in itself, like the Balladeers <laughs> probably exists anyway. Uh, he did put out an album this year, but I'm going to play you my personal favorite from uh, an album he put out in 2013. Uh, the track is called You Changed Me. It's really lovely and would be a perfect addition to any mixtape for a crush. So here it is. You Changed Me by Sean Nicholas Savage. It's true. 